You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today, I'm so excited to bring you guys Brianne Davis. Whether lighting up the big screen or calling the shots behind the scene, actor, director, producer, and writer Brianne Davis is one of the most electric talents to storm Hollywood by force. She recently wrapped two seasons as a series regular on the History Channel's Six, as well as a role in the upcoming season of Netflix, Lucifer. Originally from Atlanta, Brienne moved to Los Angeles to pursue her acting career. Her first lead role came in 2005 with the blockbuster hit Jarhead, opposite Jake Gyllenhaal. Her credits include recurring roles on Hulu's Casual, TNT's Murder in the First, HBO's True Blood, as well as FX's Nip Tuck, NCIS Los Angeles, CBS's CSI Miami, ABC's Desperate Housewives, and HBO's True Blood. Not only an actor, Brienne is also an accomplished director and producer. Thriving behind the camera as much as in front, she has produced three films with her production company Give and Take Productions. She has directed two features, The Night Visitor 2, Heather's Story, and Deadly Signal, which premiered at the Sitges Film Festival in Spain. Brienne has over a decade of recovery as a sex and love addict, and she currently hosts and produces the popular mental health podcast, Secret Life. Brienne is the creator of two female-driven TV series, Take Back the Night and Secret Life. She's currently pitching them to networks with her producing partner husband, Mark Gant. She recently finished writing her first Romana Clef fiction novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, which released February 12th. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and son, Davis, and their dog, Bear. Brianne, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, listeners, if you didn't recognize her voice, I'm just going to give you a little brush up. Brianne has had feature roles on movies such as Jarhead, Prom Night, and American Virgin, and she's most recently been on the series six. Correct me if there's been a more recent role. Oh, I've just been on Lucifer, which... People are like Lucifer. People are psychotic about the show. So I've just been on <laughs> season five of Lucifer on Netflix, and then I just had a movie on Lifetime called Secret Life of a Celebrity Surrogate, which it was called the Surrogate, but now it's Secret Life. So I've become this Secret Life person. I guess. Wow, crazy! Yeah, all this. Who knew? Who knew secrets was such a big part of your future? Right? Sheesh. Well, maybe because I held so many secrets for so many uh-huh. years that like karma is getting me back. Now They're I like have bursting to like, reveal everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, fill in the blanks. What did I miss about who you are and what you do? Well, I live in Los Angeles. I wouldn't live here if I wasn't in the business, but I live with my husband, Mark Gant. He's also an actor and director and producer, and we have a production company together, and he's the other half of Secret Life Podcast. Then I have my little son that's about to be three years old in April, and he is, you know, a toddler at home during the pandemic, which is always fun. Um, Then I have my dog, my old dog. (laughs) What kind of dog do you have? He's a Yorkshire Terrier. He's 20 pounds, and he's poor little guy. He's like a senior citizen, all hobbling, and his name's Bear. Bear. Oh, how cute. Okay, well, let's get to know you a little bit better with some rapid fire questions. What was your first job? My first job, I worked at a tanning salon in Atlanta. Really? Did you get free tans? I did. It was during that like fake and bake. 
So I would always be really dark and tan. And I'm very pale. But yeah, that was not a fun job. I'll tell you that. Oh, really? Imagine cleaning people's sweat Sweat. after they're in the tanning bed. And it smells. Oh, yeah. It smells like baked flesh and sweaty bodies. Ew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ew. ew. And I write about it in the book, FYI. There's a whole thing about it. Oh, I can't (laughs) wait. I can't wait to read it. Okay, if you had 24 hours in your home alone with no pressing to-dos, what would you do? Oh, my God. I would lie on my couch the entire time and watch Uh Real Housewives or some, (laughs) like, really bad television that you don't have to think. Because I haven't done that in three years, it feels like. Yeah, brain candy. Just pure, pure brain candy. Yep, I get that. Okay, the next question, it feels kind of strange to be asking you, but have you ever met a celebrity? Uh, yeah, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. You are a celebrity. (laughs) Well, I would say I'm like the low tier of the celebrities. But yeah, I've worked with Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, people are obsessed with Tom Felton. All the Harry Potter people literally ask me every day how kissing Tom Felton was, (laughs) which it was great. (laughs) That's real good to know. Um, do you just get used to it after a while or do you still fangirl on certain people? I'm really used to it because I'm a recovering sex and love addict and there's so many celebrities in my program that I see their struggles are just yeah. like every other human. So when I meet a celebrity, it means nothing to me, but I do have a funny story on Rodeo Drive going to a salon. Jodie Foster walked into the <laughs> elevator and I literally couldn't breathe. My mouth was open. I was like, <laughs> and I, I think I made that noise. And she looked at me and then she walked back off the elevator. Oh, <laughs> so she's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah, man. I look like a psycho or something. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I've only met a couple of celebrities, one of which was in an elevator in a hotel in, in Seattle. And I think I played it cool. But after she got off the elevator, I said to my mom, <gasps> Did you see who that was? That was Bridget Fonda. And she was holding a huge stack of VCR tapes. My mom was like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. And she's, she was so cute. She looked just like she does it on screen in person. I was, I was gobsmacked. Mm. Okay. What is the worst job you've ever had? The first job I had in Los Angeles before I started working in the business is at a hat store. If you look at my social media or TikTok, I'm wearing hats all the time. Yes. Yep, you are. You love hats. But here's the thing. I worked at a hat store that specialized in Hasidic Jews hats, like oh, the black hats. Oh, very specialized hat store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on Melrose. It's still there. It's called Hollywood Hatters. I love the owner, Sal. But I would have to, you know, mold these hats for, and they're not allowed to look at women. So they literally stand at the door, turn the other way, not look at me and like give me directions by yelling at me, but looking the other way. It was such a weird thing to experience. How in the world did you get that job? (laughs) Well, he supports actors. He's so, he was such a great boss. He would let me leave and go to auditions and then come back. He was just so supportive. But he would call me this store shish. I can't remember the name, but it's for a blonde female. But he would, you know, tease me. <laughs> a turkey. Oh, that's so cute. What is the silliest thing you have an emotional attachment to? Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. And I've actually never <laughs> revealed it to anyone. So you're getting one of my secrets. I love it. I, I still sleep with my baby blanket. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's way more common than you think, actually. 
I've heard it Well, before. my husband teases me. He was like, oh. are we going to have this the rest of our lives? Or are you going to like – and I'm like, yes, this is more important than you. Yes. <laughs> but do you travel with it? I, I go everywhere with it. Yeah. Everywhere. I think that's sweet. I like it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And But I won't let my son have a blanket. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, we don't want him attached to anything. And my husband looks at me like, uh – you're like it's too late for me save him (laughs) yeah exactly i'm like we don't want him attached to anything but i'm just a lost cause that's right (laughs) okay if you had to describe yourself in one word what would it be fearless nice what is your superpower i think my superpower now is authenticity that's a good one that's a really good one it's new for you isn't it but i i love that you're totally stepping into that and yeah Okay, what is the weirdest thing in your purse? Like an old graham cracker that my son didn't eat. (laughs) (laughs) You might be desperate. You'll be glad it's in there. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, do you name your cars? Yes. My car right now is a black stallion. Oh, nice. That's fancy. Mm -hmm. Who's the funniest person you know? My husband. He makes me laugh all the time. He literally can just look at me or say something deadpan and I just lose my shit every time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same here, by the way. If you had to endorse a brand, what brand would it be and why? Oh, I mean, I'm like begging this brand to let me work with them and they keep denying me. But TJ Maxx, I'm obsessed with TJ Maxx. Oh, what is wrong with TJ Maxx? They should definitely take you up on that. I love TJ Maxx too because it's like the perfect combination of discount shopping and good design, you know? I yeah. Think. I think a lot of my house is designed from TJ Maxx and Home Goods. And my son now is obsessed with Home Goods. He goes, Home Goods, let's go to Home Goods. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I got some like bleach on one of our hand towels and I used it anyways because I was too lazy to like throw it in that bin where you put old hand towels to clean with. Rag bag. Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me the other day and goes, oh, TJ Maxx, we have to go get a new hand towel. Hand towel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're raising him right. I know, right? <sighs> okay. If you could not fail, what would you do? I think what I'm doing now. The blessing of what I'm doing is what I would be doing if I had a million dollars or not to fail. Like, I would be doing the same thing I'm doing now. This episode is brought to you by Shelfie Shop. Shelfies are women's loungewear made out of luxurious, soft, cozy fabric. Every outfit has the perfect weight built-in shelf bra for some coverage without adding bulk, a little bit of support, and separation. Just because we're hanging out at home or want to be comfy doesn't mean we don't want to be cute, right? That way you can rip off the bra at the end of the day, throw on your shelfies, and should the doorbell ring or your kids bring friends home, you are covered. You look adorable, you feel wonderful, and you could even run to the store if you need to, and nobody would know that you're in public in your pajamas. Shelfies are manufactured in small, handmade, limited edition batches. Head to shelfieshop.com today to grab yours before they're all gone. That's S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. Use the coupon code FANCYFREE. You will get free shipping no matter what you order. You 
you guys. I've been having so much fun with Brianne's podcast, Secret Life Podcast. She nailed it when she said her superpower is authentic. And you can tell she doesn't come by it naturally. It's hard for her, but her husband has this really interesting way of sort of drawing her out. And then she does it sort of begrudgingly, which somehow to me is more endearing because it isn't like you're like, you guys need to hear what I have to say. You know, you're like, I don't know. Yeah, I love that. So tell, fill my listeners in on this whole new world that you have. It's this whole secret life world. What happened was when I hit a decade of recovery in my sex and love addicts anonymous, if you don't know what that is, it's, you know, a recovery program, a step 12 step program. Let's go all the way back because this is probably a very common, but not a very well understood or recognized um, addiction. Exactly. So fill us in. My entire life, I, I, I realized I was always looking outside of myself to people to film me, you know, mm-hmm. friends or guys or my parents even. So I, you know, went through my life cheating on my partners, you know, after that like butterfly, first love, all, when that faded in a relationship, I would always find myself flirting and intriguing mm-hmm. with people that I didn't even really like. And then I would find myself cheating, you know, mm-hmm. and having multiple partners I was never one of those sex and love addicts that slept around or had one night stands. I've actually never had a one night stand, which people think is crazy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. If they think of sex addicts, they think it's this like sexy disease where you're just like sleeping around. And that's not what it is. It's people that pick unavailable partners. It's people that are, you know, using others to fill them. You know, right now it's going on Instagram and DMing people and flirting or intriguing outside your relationship or, you know, there's so many varieties of sex and love that people don't understand. And it's more common, like you said, than everybody knows. For sure. So for me, my bottom is what we call in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I am with my boyfriend, right? And we've been together for four years. and our mentor died. And I found myself two days later on location shooting a movie about to blow up my relationship. I started Mm -hmm. flirting. I started intriguing with people on set, which is very common in the Hollywood world. They're called showmances. I talk about it in the book. It's about like you pick a partner on a set and you guys like have an affair. And then when the movie's over, it's it's done. (laughs) You know, it's called a showmance. Okay. Very, very common. And literally, you could walk on set and see who's like messing around together. You could figure it out. Wow. Yeah. So I found myself about to do that once again. And I had this moment in my hotel room and I was sitting on the bed in the dark and I was like, am I going to be doing this the rest of my life? Am I going to be looking outside of myself for this connection with a stranger that I didn't even like the person. He was like rude to waiters. He was not even someone I'd want to be friends with. And here I have a boyfriend at home who I love and adore as much as I could love and adore somebody. Yep. So I called my friend and she hooked me up with her therapist. And I went and saw the therapist when I got back and I explained the situation and my pattern in the past that I thought I was done with. And She looked at me and she said two things. She looked at me and said, you wear the mask of a high-class prostitute that I have as a client. And I was like, what? Like, I got really offended. I'm not a a slut. I don't sleep around. Like, I don't have never been paid for sex. 
And she said, listen, people can get paid for sex when they don't know they are. If you're dating someone Mm -hmm. because they have a lot of money or they buy you a purse and then you feel obligated to sleep with them or they buy you a dinner, which happens all the time. Yeah. Or even your currency for emotional validation is sex. I mean, that's a, that's a transaction. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Exactly. So she then looked at me and said, you're a sex and love addict. And I was like, oh, what? (laughs) I'm like, I don't sleep around. So you had identified the pattern and you had really figured out that you were going to pull yourself out. You didn't like it. You were going to pull yourself out. You were monogamous with this boyfriend who you loved. And Mm -hmm. then you saw yourself kind of backsliding and went, wait, this is bigger than me. I think I need help. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I was always cheating or having multiple boyfriends in high school and Like I was just always that girl. I got the award for the biggest flirt and I thought it was like the biggest honor ever. And I put it on my wall in high school in my bedroom. You know, like I always thought I just have a flirtatious energy. This is who I am. And when I realized when I got older and I found someone I really cared about, I thought that part of my life was done. But then this traumatic thing happens of somebody dying suddenly it all came back. All those things that I used to do to survive. All those old patterns and all that easy comfort. And that family of origin. Going back even further, my parents were unhappy my entire life. I never saw them hold hands. I never Mm. saw them kiss. They didn't even sleep in the same bed. I was raised in the South. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have children. So it wasn't in my consciousness. So when Mm -hmm. she told me I was a sex and love addict, I got in the car, driving back on the 101 in Los Angeles, stuck in traffic, called my boyfriend who I live with. And I said, she says, I'm a sex and love addict, like hysterically crying. Mm -hmm. And I got home and he printed out all the meetings in LA and highlighted them. (gasps) Oh, that just gave me goosebumps head to toe. What a sweet reaction. Oh, And I went to a meeting that night in the Valley and it was 40 people, all walks of life. It was, you know, age range from 70 to, I was the youngest at the time, early twenties, an A-list celebrity and a janitor. And it was just literally every gender, everybody you could think about. Mm -hmm. And they were all talking. And I talk about this in the book. And for the first time in my life, I connected to other people and I didn't feel so alone or broken. Like I just thought I was always missing that gene that could be monogamous, but I didn't have the tools. So that was my journey. And when I stepped into that meeting and I cried that entire meeting because I was happy, I wasn't alone anymore. Yeah. So I started my journey, you know, through 11 years now and Like I said, when I hit my 10 years of recovery in the program, I wrote an article for HuffPost, pretty much outing myself. I'm a Hollywood sex and love addict because what was going on is I was developing a TV show with my friend, Jana Kramer, and we were, you know, talking about it so openly. And I had this calling to be of service bigger than just my community. Even though I've spoke all over the world, I've sponsored women all over the world in this program. But I just had this need to share my story because everybody always talks about men being sex addicts. They never talk about women. And I think we have a very narrow view of what it is. Yeah. Everybody thinks like sex addicts are men and love addicts are women. And that's not true. You're usually both. You know, there's like a cross between. They're very intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote this article for HuffPost and it got like 
a million and a half hits in three weeks. And I had all these strangers all over the world reach out to me. And it was such a blessing to be of service to other people that had no idea that this was a disease, that there's a way out. And I have to just tell your listeners, this is the most deadly disease. More people commit suicide over relationships, murder people. I mean, watch Dateline. Yeah. Every Dateline is about a love triangle. Gosh, you're so right. Wow. I've never thought about that before. And that's what's wrong with our society. It's prevalent in so many Hollywood movies. I mean, so many characters I play, I'm like, she's a sex and love addict underneath my breath, mm-hmm. but they never define it. Yeah. Never look straight at it for what it is, but always skirt around the issue and look at the more interesting and entertaining parts of it, but never the root of yeah. the dangerous part and the disease and how painful it can be for people. Huh. Wow. How many stories have you read like she's looking for her soulmate or she's the one, but he's like push and pull and they're like in a, you know, (laughs) one of the movies that a lot of sex and love addicts cannot watch is The Notebook. It's like banned. It's like a no rule, but it's not written down. Oh, yeah. I write about it in the book. There's this whole fantasy of The Notebook. Like if you think about it, he's breaking up an engagement And she cares about the guy she's with, but then he's like telling her they're supposed to be together. And then they have this romantic in the rain, but then there's a push pull, but it's just crazy. It's crazy making. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) I, yeah. Okay. I can't wait to read that part of your book either. Okay. Now hurry up and come Friday. I want to read this book. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) We're recording right before her book comes out, but you guys are listening to it after it's come out. So, So you're so lucky. You don't have to wait. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the process of writing your book. My sister has severe dyslexia. I know a Mm -hmm. lot about it. And my heart just broke for you when you told the story about trying to learn the alphabet with your mom. I'm not going to ask you to go back through it. But you guys, if you want to hear this, it's just in in her first second episode of her podcast. But you did a 90-day experience, which was a writing Mm -hmm. workshop. Tell me briefly about that. Alan Watts has this 90-day writing a novel workshop. And my husband randomly last year was like, hey, you should take this workshop. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm dyslexic. I have ADHD. I am not a writer. I am an actor. Give me the dialogue. I'm not writing the dialogue. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, And then he kept subtly dropping these hints and then mentioning it's starting. And he finally looked at me and said, listen, like the sixth time, He says, listen, just take it. It's not that much money. If you do a couple weeks and you hate it, no one will have to know. Only I'll know. I'm like, fine, dude, leave me alone. I'll sign up. So I signed up and I wrote the book in 45 days. Well, the first draft, it just came out of me. It was like my universe or higher power or God was in control because I never wanted to be a writer. I never wanted to tell my story. It just wasn't interesting to me. So it was a memoir when I first wrote it. But during the process of rewriting, it took a life of its own. And it was this character that was like me, but she had her own story and other people's stories were coming into play in my imagination. And then I kept waking up with dreams of scenes that she would go through and I kept writing her. And then I realized, wait, I don't even have her name. Like, who is this person I'm writing about? And I had this moment, I was like sitting there thinking about her. And then the song from the police, Roxanne, comes on. And I was like, oh my God, that is her name. You know, Roxanne. 
have to turn on your put on the red light you know and I was like oh my god it's Roxanne so it's a story about Roxanne she's an actress she's a a C-list B-list working actress and we get to follow her journey the first year of her finding out she's a sex and love addict and all her slips and all her bottoms and I have people in it that are famous and I've changed everybody's name so there's like cool girl tattoo girl superstar suits (laughs) you'll never find out who they are you can try to guess that's really fun game um But yeah, she goes on this journey of her first year of these 10 rules that she learns to live by. It's based on me, but I wanted to write a book that was very accessible because when I started my journey in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, every book I picked up was so academic. It was so Mm -hmm. educational. I'd want to throw it against the wall. I want to read a psych textbook right now. Yeah. Right? You're like, ugh. No, thank you. I don't want to read this. (laughs) And- So I wanted to write one that was entertaining with stories of Hollywood and like my experiences, but also educate in a way you're not feeling like you're getting educated. And I tell the story on my podcast about my mom reading it, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but for her to call me and say like, I now understand your disease more than I've ever understood it. Thank you for writing it. And it was such a beautiful moment. The whole story is in my podcast, so you'll have to listen. (laughs) So good. Yeah. I'll I'll link that episode, you guys. The first two episodes will get you running and then you'll and then you'll be hooked. Oh, thanks. Okay. So you have now written book number two. You're thinking about Mm -hmm. book number three, and your husband tells you book number four is inside of you somewhere. Is this true? This is very true. I my <laughs> husband is like a bully. He's like a writer yeah, bully. He is. He's cracking the whip, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, He's like, you gift. need to do it about this too in book number four. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess. It's Thank so you. Hard. Giving birth to a book is harder than you know. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh my oh. God. I'm telling you, you know, this last two weeks before the book is getting released, I have been wanting to crawl out of my skin because Mm -hmm. it is so revealing. I literally got so uncomfortable and I haven't felt that way since the first year of my sobriety. Self-promotion is for me super, super painful. But put on top of that, the fact that the thing that you're promoting are these revelations that used to be secrets. I don't know how you Mm -hmm. do it, Bran. These must be really, really, really exhausting times for you, but also really exciting because you're going to help so many people. I think that's the one thing that has made it amazing is that I know it's not really about me. Yeah, Like my podcast is not about me. It's not even about my guests. It's about the listeners. It's the people that don't have the voice. And I say, and I really truly mean, if I can help one person, and I'm going to get emotional, but if I can help one person not be suffering, not be stuck in horrible patterns and bad relationships or self-destruction, then I'm doing my job. That is worth it for me to reveal myself. And you're never just helping one person either, because every person has a ripple effect of people around them that are either negatively or positively affected by them. So you you can't even help just one person. But I hear you. This is a first. I've had head-to-toe goosebumps twice now. Thank you very much. <laughs> so that's what's getting you through, is thinking yeah. about that person who might be struggling and can understand things about themselves they've never understood before. And not just that, but then have some of the tools or at least be told how to get some of the tools to turn Mm -hmm. the ship around and to head in a different direction. Oh, so good. Because I mean, my life now, 11 years later, 
is so beautiful. I couldn't imagine it in my darkest place, you know, a decade ago. I couldn't imagine being here. I am married now. And here's the kicker. I'm with the same man that highlighted those meetings. Oh, We've been together for 16 years. Oh, I didn't get sober in this program and then find my white knight or my soulmate or my perfect partner. It's not even about that. It's about finding my self-love. Yes, it was yes. That's what the program's about is finding our self-love. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. My husband can leave me tomorrow and I will be okay. He does not complete me. He does not yes. make me a whole person. Yes. And I have a kid today. I never wanted a kid. I am selfish. I am self-seeking. <laughs> I am an addict. You know, like the thought of dealing with a child did not appeal to me. But here's the thing. My son doesn't complete me. I don't use my son mm. to make mommy feel better. Yes. He is his own person. And I now get to put boundaries that I didn't have. And I get to stop the lineage of addiction that has run in my family. It's, yes. It ends with me. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. And my husband is a recovering addict. He's been sober 32 years and him and I just had this discussion. It ends with us. We're doing oh. it differently than what our parents did. Oh my God. I'm crying again. It's <laughs> amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> We, our 40 minutes is almost up. We have three more. We have a lot to pack in. So let's see if we can do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she has a three-year-old on the other side of the door, you guys. We can't hold him back forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Tell me about six. Tell me briefly about six and what happened to you. We shot for two years. You know, it was the first big series I was a series regular on. I had this great character that wasn't sexual. She was like very religious, a school teacher, like something I've never played before. So It just felt like for the first time I was like, oh, like a job completed me or something ridiculous like that. And (laughs) I was sitting and about to tell them I was having a baby because I was pregnant with my son up in Vancouver. And I walk into the production office because they called me and I was going to tell them this big news that I was pregnant because the first season I was pregnant and I had a miscarriage, which is a whole other sad story. But I walk in and they tell me my character is dying. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is the worst day ever. And I remember like holding my stomach in my car afterwards and calling my husband and being like, my life is over. Like, did this all, you know, like playing the victim and being upset that I found out I'm not going to be on the next season. And it was kind of such a beautiful moment and funny now looking back at it is like, I thought everything was done, but if that didn't happen, then I would have never taken that writing thing and I would have never wrote the book and I would have never started the podcast and I would have never created a show about the book that people are interested in. My husband and I laugh at it now that I thought my life was over and now I have this beautiful child. And here's the kicker. Here's the funny part. We got canceled anyways. Yeah, I read that. I was like, oh, well, I got canceled anyway. I got canceled. So I actually got to mourn the loss of the show before any of my co-stars. So when we actually got canceled, I was like, I don't care. Because they were going to bring me back for like reoccurring flashbacks. but. It was such a blessing in disguise. So that was like my first big job I got kind of fired from. (laughs) 
You just never know, you guys. You never know what sad thing that you're mourning today and that's creating tears could be just the first step of an amazing phase in your life. Ah, so crazy. So awesome. Okay. Tell my listeners all the places where they can find you online. Oh my God. Please visit me. If you have any questions about Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, anything, there's 40 questions on, it's their self-diagnosed questions on Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous on Slaw. Type in 40 questions, but reach out to me, DM me. I will send you in the right direction. I'm at at the Brianne Davis TikTok. I'm the dot Brianne Davis. Come to secretlifenovel.com for the book, for links to all my websites for Secret Life Podcast, or you can follow Secret Life Podcast on Instagram or Secret Life Novel on Instagram. I am around. You can find me and I will help you. Awesome. That is so amazing. Well, Brianne, oh my gosh, you have been an incredible guest. Thank you so, and I want to tell you, my maiden name Mm -hmm. is Davis also. I know you named your son Davis. Can I tell you a little story about the name Davis? Heck yeah. So when I was, I think 20, before I moved out to LA, right before I moved out to LA, I went to the zoo in Atlanta and I was walking through the zoo and I heard this dad call Son, Davis, come here. Davis, come here. And I've never heard somebody called Davis. And I turned around and it was this little boy running to his dad. And it was like God was giving me a glimpse of my son. So my son's name is Davis Nolan Gant. And he is like the best thing my husband and I have ever created. Oh, amazing. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I am going to give one of your books away to, and listeners, I'll let you know how to win Brianne's book. Definitely be watching out for that. We are exclusively on Amazon right now. We'll be everywhere in a couple of months, but we wanted to do an exclusive with Amazon so you can find Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love at, at Amazon right now. Yay. It was so fun. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Oh my gosh, you guys, I love Brienne. I could have talked to her for another hour and a half. Make sure to check out the show notes for today's episode at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 91 to get all the links we discussed about today and join the Fancy Free Tribes mailing list. If you join our newsletter mailing list, I promise I'll only email you once a month. It'll be fun little nuggets about the show. It's like eye candy in your inbox. And that is where I share contests. So you have to join the newsletter, go to fancyfreepodcast.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom. You just have to put your first name and your email address, and you will automatically be placed on the mailing list for the Fancy Free Tribe. I email the third Wednesday of every month. And there are always little hidden secret nuggets. If you read the newsletter, then it'll tell you how to qualify for winning Brianne's books. So do that if you're interested. Monday on the show, we have Sandy Nussbaum, and she is hilarious, you guys. We had so much fun chatting. She is a travel agent, but she has some really great travel stories. Remember to subscribe to the show so new episodes pop into your feed each week. If you have a story to tell, record a voice memo and email it to me at notfancy@fancyfreepodcast.com, or just go to the website and click on the big red button. 
and record it right there. I'll clean it all up and we'll have it on the show. I absolutely love my segment of listener stories, but we don't get as many listener stories as I wish we would. So you guys, please send me a listener story. I'll put it in the show. And you don't have to say who you are even. If you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, join the Fancy Free Facebook group. It is our private little slice of the internet. We have so much fun in there. We're answering all kinds of wacky questions. You got to join up and see what we're talking about in there. Make sure you check out Shelfie Shop at S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com to buy your Shelfies, which is your new at-home wardrobe uniform. Use the coupon code FANCYFREE, all caps, F-A-N-C-Y-F-R-E-E. You will get free shipping. Have a wonderful week. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look. 